Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. It's Friday Free For All. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 2nd of June, year of our Lord, 2017. And today's show, we're doing a Friday free-for-all. If you hear a little cat meowing in the background, yeah, we got a new kitten. The new kitten just got separated from its brother, and it's not happy. It just came home, and she is looking for brother. So if you hear that in the background, just bear with me. So we're going to cover Reflections of an Army Widow. Really sad article. Flaca, the effects of 25 things that Hillary Clinton's now blamed the election loss on. An adult guide to Snapchat and news and social media nuggets. To start, I'd like to just say this is going to be a long podcast because there was a lot of stuff happening this week. And some of it happened today and I got sound bites for it. So I thought it was good to start a sound bite. Of what this whole podcast is about. And it's a CNN reporter admitting, we report progressive. The arc of history is defined by Obama and Hillary. There's this conversation that's happening among people who follow the news industry, which is how can we bridge the sort of gap between uh, all of those conservatives who don't trust the media and, and, and get them to start... Um, knowing that, you know, we're acting in good faith with good intentions. Maybe you can't because they're not even listening. Yeah. I mean, from, from, from the second that the, it's not as if they're reading the article and considering it or listening to the audio and considering it. They're just not paying attention to it because they don't trust us. And, and this, by the way, you look at the tapes of Trump there, two things have happened. One, over the course of several decades, the conservatives have done a masterful job at uh, capitalizing the waning trust in media among conservatives and using it to their advantage. But a second thing has happened too, which is that on occasion, more than the media would probably like to admit, we have not told the story of conservative Americans, disenfranchised Americans who believe that they are losing their country. The story we have largely been telling is a story uh, that is more or less in step with the arc of history as defined by Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. That doesn't mean we favor them to win. It just means that that sort of vision of a progressive future 
a global future, and that is not one that resonates with so many conservative American voters. And so there is this chasm, and no one exploited it as well as Donald yeah. Trump did, and no one made it as violent and aggressive and sinister as Donald Trump did, and that laid the foundation for the sorts of incidents and, that happened last night. And maybe you saw in that statement put out by Jim Forte's campaign that they, they specifically and deliberately refer to Ben Jacobs as a liberal journalist. I mean, that's code, that's signal. Right, right. That totally sums up our media. All right. Now, to sum up our politicians, this is Maxine Water being confronted by a constituent. Listen to the key phrase at the end, how you cannot impeach a woman of color. Hi, I'm fine. I've been calling your office and reading emails. And you maybe you could give me five minutes of your time. I know today is not the time. You're one of seven hundred thousand. I understand. I understand. And so, when I'm in, I'm in Washington most of the time. I know that. I fly in on Monday and I fly back on Thursday, Friday. But that's every week, so I have one day sometimes. And we try to figure out how to see everybody that we can. So mm -hmm. tell me what you want to talk about. Well, I just uh, want to talk about your representation in Washington and yes. our president as well. Too. I can't stand him. I am. He's the most horrible man I've ever seen. I, in my I life. love my president very much. I'm glad I you do. That, that your I, position, you my do. position as well. I, I'm glad but you I do. also want to know why you weren't representing me in Washington by opposing the president. Your president is a dishonorable, lying man. He mocked a journalist. I've never seen a grown man do that. He talked about grabbing women by the private parts. He lies every day. He's in bed with Putin and the Russians about oil. And everybody around him are allies with the Kremlin and with the oligarchs of Russia. They're going to take us down. You mentioned comments about him being a liar. He is and, a liar. And grabbing a woman's pussy. That's which right. I don't think he ever did. Um, he said I, it. I go back to... What, what grown man talks like that? I go back to President Clinton. I don't care about Clinton. Well, of course I care does. about this. Of course Listen, I'm going to work every day until I get him impeached. I'm going to work every day to make sure that he isn't and that you're impeached. But oh, that's so okay. Thank you so much. Excuse me. You can't impeach a Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You cannot impeach a woman of me in office. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That's our landscape right now, folks. That's where we live. When you hear things like that and you have... Media saying one thing, then you have politicians. You'll understand this beginning part of this podcast, which is just crazy. Just crazy. This week, if it wasn't enough for all the things we were dealing with, a new Republic reporter literally went off the rails because, well, let's just read it. Emily Atkin. Diet Coke at 10 in the morning. She read it. In a WAPO article, they are criticizing the president for drinking Diet Coke at 10 in the morning. Her second tweet, I'm serious, how many of you think it's acceptable to drink Diet Coke before 11 a.m.? That's how far we've gone. So as you get into the big stuff, Kathy Griffin beheading the president of the United States. The President of the United States. It starts with her doing a photo shoot with a guy. 
Tyler Shields, who some report, some famous um, Hollywood photographer, and she holds up a mask that is all bloody with ketchup. <clears throat> she ends up trying to apologize because she loses squatty potty. It is found that they asked the first lady about it, and she outright says that her son saw it, and he freaked out. And whether that's true or not, who ma- it doesn't matter. But it does by the end, because she tries one day saying, I'm sorry, I went too far, and I'm not going to play the actual apology where she's begging. Because today, she decided to go and get herself a lawyer and push back. Before I go into all the reactions, I want to play the the lawyer's intro. And I think it's a key look into the mind of progressives who, once again, do nothing wrong. All right. Good morning, everyone. I'm civil rights attorney Lisa Bloom, and I'm very proud to represent Kathy Griffin. Kathy is not only one of the funniest humans alive... She has been a bold advocate for women, the LGBT community, people of color, and veterans for many years, including numerous stand-up performances for the troops in Iraq, Afghanistan, Kuwait, and Uzbekistan, places that many other entertainers were too scared to go. She is also the proud daughter of a vet. During the campaign, Donald Trump said of a female reporter who had called him out on misogyny, quote, she had blood coming out of her eyes. She had blood coming out of her wherever. Kathy did not forget that disgusting remark for which Trump has never apologized. Kathy teamed up recently with a photographer to mock Trump, our mocker-in-chief, What would it look like if his own insults were turned on him? Wearing a pussy bow blouse in a nod to his caught-on-tape bragging about grabbing women's genitals, she held up a Trump mask with fake blood coming out of the eyes and coming out of the wherever in full hyperbole with a stern look on her face. As she said in her social media posts accompanying the photo, Quote, I captioned this, there was blood coming out of his eyes, blood coming out of his wherever. It was a parody of Trump's own sexist remarks taken to an extreme absurdist visual. Like many edgy works of artistic expression, the photo could be interpreted different ways, and Kathy was fine with that. But Kathy never imagined that it could be misinterpreted as a threat of violence against Trump. That was never what she intended. She has never threatened or committed an act of violence against anyone. Her life's work is to make people laugh. And as soon as she learned that this is how it was being received, she was horrified. And she took down the picture, and she asked the photographer to take it down. And as fast as possible, she videoed a heartfelt apology, literally begging us For forgiveness. That should have been the end of it. Many male artists have created far more disturbing imagery. A Marilyn Manson music video shows him beheading a Trump figure. 
The band Municipal Waste has an image of Trump with a bloody gunshot to his head on a band T-shirt. The band GWAR has had violent images like this for president after president for years. They're all just considered bad boys. Unlike these male artists, Kathy apologized. Unlike these male artists, Kathy has endured the most powerful man in America and his family using their power to target her and her employers after she apologized. The president took a break from his busy schedule of tweeting nonsense words to target her satire, calling her sick. Melania Trump, who has remained silent about her husband's effort to deny health care to 24 million Americans, cut Meals on Wheels and Planned Parenthood, chose to break her silence on news events to personally challenge Kathy's mental health. Donald Trump Jr. took a break from killing leopards and elephants to hound CNN and its anchors on Twitter to try to get them not just to fire her, but to ban her from the network where she has worked for 10 years entirely, presumably forever. But that wasn't enough. He also targeted a children's book author in his tweets, suggesting that his followers contact the publisher, to fire him because Don Jr. didn't like one of his his jokes that was supportive of Kathy Griffin. The message is clear. Criticize the president, lose your job. And that's what happened to Kathy and more. As a result of the first family's bullying of her and of those she does business with, Kathy has been vilified She's been receiving a lot of death threats. She's had her personal website and her social media channels shut down, been fired from multiple jobs, and had multiple events canceled. The Secret Service has reached out to her. The Secret Service has reached out to a comedian. She has had to retain a criminal attorney who is here today, Dimitri Gorin. That's D-M-I-T-R-Y-G-O-R-I-N. And he can answer questions at the end about his work. For the first time in history that we are aware of, the President of the United States and his family is personally attempting to ruin a comedian. This has been a living nightmare for Kathy. She works hard, and she has millions of global fans, including me. But she lacks a TV network or a, a giant team behind her. And she has been suffering through this virtually alone, as every kind of vile threat has poured in. She has been advised not to leave her home, not to go online, not to receive deliveries, as the beatdown of Kathy Griffin rises to a crescendo. It stops here. It stops now. This is insane. Ted Nugent threatened to kill President Obama. Trump invited Ted Nugent to the White House. Trump does not realistically fear 56-year-old, 110-pound Kathy Griffin. Trump himself is currently facing two lawsuits for inciting violence at his rallies when he told his followers to, quote, knock the crap out of protesters or, quote, punch him in the face. Kathy has a First Amendment right to make whatever provocative art she chooses. Whether or not you get or like her artistic expression 
In America, Kathy has the right to publicly parody the president. In Russia, feminist artists Pussy Riot were imprisoned for two years by Trump's buddy Putin. In the U.S., the Supreme Court has ruled in a series of long-standing bedrock constitutional cases that political satire is protected, and the government cannot retaliate against citizens for it. That's an important legal right that is now under attack as journalists, networks, and artists fear retribution from Trump and his administration. He is hoping for a chilling effect on artists like Kathy and other artists. He has said he wants to sue people who criticize him. Nope, that is authoritarianism, and we will not have it. Kathy has made a decision. She is not going to stop speaking out for women, for LGBT rights, for vets, and for others. She will continue to be the fierce, brutally honest Shiro that millions love. She will continue to push the edges of our comfort level and beyond, to challenge us and to make us think. Thank you for that, Kathy, because we need you right now. I stand with Kathy and I, st- I will fight for her First Amendment right to create whatever art she chooses and oppose anyone who tries to punish her for it. And we will both continue to use our skills to resist Trump, whose budget would deny heat in the winter to poor people, cut grants to help poor kids go to college, cut funding for the arts, cut NPR, cut PBS, and cut medical research. We stand against his anti-science climate change denial and his dangerous withdrawal from the Paris Accord. Yesterday, just yesterday, Trump drafted a new order that would deny birth control benefits to hundreds of thousands of American women. His misogyny knows no bounds and cries out for all of us to express ourselves as forcefully as possible against him. It is Trump who should apologize for his blood coming out of her eyes, blood coming out of her wherever, disgusting comment, which he has never done, and for being the most woman-hating and tyrannical president in U.S. history. Did you hear that lump of shit? Wait to hear what she says. Now, I just want to make you understand that back in the day of Obama, a, a rodeo clown wearing his mask was racist and disrespectful to the office. By the time we're done with all this, you have people that are saying now after her, pushback press conference that it was First Amendment and she's right. It's Trump's fault. It's Trump's fault she put a picture up beheading him and now she's being bullied and death threats and all that stuff. And he's ruining my career. So the Secret Service actually pays her. CNN fires her, okay, for it. And after they find out about the firing and that Baron Trump actually saw it, this is the left in a nutshell. Ken Jennings. Baron Trump saw a very long necktie of a cheap, a heap of expired deli meat in a dumpster. He thought it was his dad and his little heart was broken. Mm -hmm. They then went on a whole thing that Trump's lying. Melania's lying. Everybody's lying. Daily Beast summed it up that Trump's turn to Baron to bash Kathy Griffith. Vox, 
as I found this from a tweet, Educated Hillbilly, liberals, no one's defending Kathy Griffith. Vox, hold my beer. Their article, Kathy Griffin beheading a Donald Trump draws backlash despite its artistic roots. I was going to read so I'm not even reading it. That's how they try to educate her or defend her. Because they all got off on it. I will bet you a dollar to cow's ass every person at CNN had that picture on their desktop of their computer. They were jerking off. It was jerk porn for them. Because they hate Trump. Roseanne Barr came out, and once again, we've been talking about her because she's going to have a new show. Two of my grandsons are Baron Trump's age. I would slap the fuck out of any bitch or any prick who upset them. Trust me that. She's the only one that actually defended the whole thing. There were liberals that said that's bad. CNN did fire her, so to speak, from doing the New Year's. But when you really break it down, 48 hours later, this is what she said today. Tell me if this is not vaudevillian. My impression is that they have mobilized their armies or their bots or whatever they do. Um, I, Like I said, it's quite clear to me that um, they're trying to use me as a distraction. And um, I'm not going to be collateral damage for this fool. Kathy, I think, Kathy, I think he's a fool. Will. So I'm going to say I think so the president sort of, is sort a of fool. going so around this way. So. I, you know, I can say that. Do you have fear for your career after this down? Absolutely. I don't think I will have a career after this. I think okay. he, I think he, I think he, I'm going to be honest, he broke me. He broke me. He broke me. And then I was like, no, this isn't right. It's just not right. And I apologized because that was the right thing to do, and I meant it. And then I saw the tide turning, and I saw what they were doing, and I went, oh, okay, they're trying to spin this, and they're making it about Baron, and obviously that was never my intent. I would never want to hurt anyone, much less a child. But I started to see what was really happening, and then it was a mob mentality pile-on. And so many people have expressed to me personally across the country at my shows, they're scared. So, yeah, I don't know what's, I don't know if I'm going to get arrested today. I don't know. But I have to stand up. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll get her an Oscar. There are people all over the internet supporting her. It's, it's, I, I, I am speechless on this. I thought I'd be able to go off and scream. But it's just where we're at. That's the left. Rodeo clown racist. Cutting off the president's head and put ketchup on it. They're good to go. First Amendment. She's a com- comedian. It's Trump's fault. It's Trump's fault she did it. It's Trump's fault she's getting death threats. It's Trump's fault you can't get a good burger at Burger King. This makes Bush derangement syndrome look like it just never, ever, ever was a thing. So the old news before we get into more news, because yeah, Paris climate came and uh, the Paris climate accord shit, which that is going to be a whole stat of the day. USA Bass Tracks will resume advertising on Hannity. That happens his last time. And conservatives now are targeting six MSDNC shows, four CNN hate shows, Rachel and Anderson Cooper on that. Remember this is all over Seth Rich and his wife, his daughter, his girlfriend released a bunch of shit. You can find it online. It's pretty scary. There's something there, friends. As we're talking all the Russia crap, this week, House Intelligent Panel issues seven subpoenas on Russian probe ramps up. 
That's the title. When you dig in it, it's about the Obama administration. Who redacted? Who redacted? Who did the redacting? Why did they redact it? It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing now. There's going to be court. There's going to be open hearings on it. Susan Rice and company. Yeah. Yeah, they're coming after you now. To the Portland stabbings, Keith Olbermann, they were standing up against hate and intolerance. You enabled and exploited their bloods on your hand. Resign or be removed. How about remembering the men who made the ultimate sacrifice of Portland last week while you were betraying this nation's principles? Somebody summed up my feelings on Keith Olbermann. I bet Keith spit on a few returning troops from Vietnam. He is still going on. I know I covered it last podcast, but he hasn't stopped. He's still going. Now the Democrats tried this week and then he got drowned out by Kathy Griffin stepping on her schlong. Oregon Senator Jeff Merkley, Michael Moore, and Rosie O'Donnell all are going with Trump. It's your fault people got stabbed by a Bernie supporter. Yeah, that's a thing now. And before we get into our tweeters today, let me just keep you up to date. Mother of 220 years old, sentenced for role in death, a teen stabbed 153 times by MS-13 gangs. But keep that immigration going, progressives. To our tweet of the day, our tweets of the day. We're all going to fight about dog peeing on a fearless girl now, aren't we? The sculptor, Alex Gardigia, seething over the fearless girl, was put in front of his, his uh, charging bull statue, now as a pissing pug, and he put it right towards the girl. <laughs> Tell me partisanship hasn't gone too far. CNN, liberals think they are tolerant, but often they aren't. It's wrong shutting down hate speech is not betraying liberal values, somebody said. But he played a whole thing on his show that all of a sudden, even super progressives like him have to recognize progressives got a problem. When taking pictures with the head, the president's head on a freaking in your hand like some ISIS guy is okay. You might be intolerant. It's like a Jeff Foxworthy thing. But our tweet of the day is an audio one. This is the one thing about the Trump administration. Makes me real happy about. This This. This will be the tweet of the first 200 podcasts. This is General Mattis. Keeps you awake at night. Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. Tweet of the day! Oh my god, that's sexy. Twitter erupted with badass, epic, best thing I've ever heard in my life, and I agree with it. Down in Austin, there was actually an incident for the hate. Representative uh, Raymond Romero and Rinaldi was the other rep. They actually went to banning Sanctuary City Bill. They talked about shooting each other. (laughs) <laughs> we we probably have a problem. Hate on America from Europe. All Americans must be accompanied by adult. That, like, was okay on the left. I have a bunch of tweets on. I'm not going to read it because I have so much stuff today. I'm just going to skip it. But it, it's still, like, unbelievable uh, how fucking horrible the left is. They, they just hate America. 
For stupid Memorial Day tweets, Vox shit on Marines by actually tweeting an article, the Marine Corps has a toxic masculinity problem. The Marine Corps has a problem integrating women ever since 1918. Even today, women only make 8.3%. Most notably, that problem plays out in sexual harassment. They ended the article with, so as the service tries to win battles around the world, the most important fight, maybe the one closest to home, the battle for the soul of the Marine Corps. God, you guys are so ass backwards. To stupid tweets about themselves, Pitbull, who I actually like, tweeted a picture of him with stars and stripes, recognizing the fallen. And Obama tweeted once again a picture of him. Liberals said subtle touch of class by Obama to move the roses in the foreground and Michelle and him in the background. They just love him. They just love him. It's him walking in a cemetery. We've already covered on the show. Why the fuck does he have to be in every picture? Trump then sang the Star Spangled Banner. Responses because NBC did it because they didn't like him doing it. He's a traitor. He's a traitor. There's no love for our nation no matter how many times he lip syncs the wrong words to Star Spangled Banner. Chaz Bono seriously looks completely insane here at Arlington. To honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice, POTUS, it's not about you. It's about them. Oh, really? You check out Obama's Twitter account. He looks like a freaking idiot. He looks like a freaking idiot again. That was done about 20,000 times. You're too kind. Mr. Five Draft Deferments is an ass. He doesn't even know the words. I think you're supposed to stand at attention when standing at, for, for the national anthem. Looks like a grandfather taking his eight-year-old grandkid to his first baseball game. Trump is a simp. It's supposed to be solemn. It's not the Super Bowl. And the they even called him a douche. A douche. And I'm out of hate, because there's more hate to come. I was going to put it here, but I put it at the end, folks. It's good. Hypocrisy. We covered a show on media bias and the spread of news and how it never gets corrected. So by that, I tweet, Trump um, had golden showers. Oh, wait a minute. That's a real tweet. Trump gets golden showers in Russia, and then we correct it, but 100,000 people retweeted it, so now it's a fake news story that's real to people, and then the correction only gets retweeted 10% of the time. So Frank Luntz was doing it, and he showed the translation headphones, which we covered on the last podcast, all right, 14,000 times it was retweeted on one of the stations that tweeted it, like CNN or MSNBC. He doesn't say which one it is. But when they corrected it and said, oh, no, he had an earpiece, only 42 times was that retweeted. So it's even less than 10%. And one of the biggest culprits was Andrea Mitchell. Maybe he will read translation later. She never corrected that tweet. So I found an article about how you do fake news. Number one, tweet something with an explosive allegation in the headline, and they quote CNN. Russians discussed having potential derogatory info about Trump and associates during campaign sources tell CNN. Step two, bury the facts that the headline is total BS. 
inside that article, but the sources privy to the descriptions of the communications written by U.S. intelligence caution the Russian claim to one another could have been exaggerated or even made up as part of this disinformation campaign that the Russians did during the election. So it doesn't really mean it's true. Step three is enjoy <clears throat> the traffic. It was retweeted by the world. They have a picture showing it. And derogatory is trending on Twitter. So there's your primer. Put some bullshit, usually use Russia. Bury the truth somewhere in there, which we showed on the show. Enjoy the traffic. So just that one itself, Donna Brazil, Keith Ellison, um, CNN, MSNBC, Kyle Griffin, Talon Vox, the DNC itself, and all the resistance retweeted that shit. But they never fixed it. Because Russia is the deal. Same time during this whole thing, and we're still talking about Russia, 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 like the Brady Bunch and Marsha. Article was released on Politico inside Obama's secret outreach to Russians. So you just remember that this week when you're hearing Kushner all over the place. That's a real news story. The fake news will keep going. Like this one, Mike Levin, Democratic nominee, going against Daryl Issa, who I neither like or dislike. Yes, this is really Daryl Issa on a roof of his district office building, too afraid to come down and speak to assembled constituents below. That was all over Twitter. I then went to Daryl Issa's site, Spent the morning talking with constituents gathering outside the office today, then popped upstairs to take a quick pick. That was tweeted prior to Mark Mike Levin's. But all over Twitter this week, it was, Daryl Issa is scared and stands on roofs. Yeah, that's, that's true. That, that's true. More hypocrisy. ACLU of Oregon blasts Portland mayor for asking feds to cancel Trump free speech rally. This is a new trend. If you want to run, do a pro-Trump rally, municipalities are blocking you from doing it. Even though that doesn't burn their city down, they're afraid of the people that are going to come and burn their city down. So you can have free speech if you hate Trump because they're scared of those people because they know they'll still do it and they'll still burn the fucking city down. But you can't do it for Trump. NPR had an article this week, staunch atheist, religion, not Islam, plays a role in modern terrorism. This was horrible. Richard Dawkins is his name. He is a piece of shit. But they rolled that. Religion has nothing to do with it. Oh, okay. Islam is good to go. Gotcha. But my favorite hypocrisy is actually Kimberly Strassel, who is a journalist, not a righty, not a lefty. Listen to this soundbite. I think we are having a discussion that is absolutely divorced from reality this week. It is astonishing. Let me set the scene for you. It's 2008. Uh, we are having an election, and candidate Obama, he's not even president-elect, sends William Miller over to Iran 
to establish a back channel and let the Iranians know that should he win the election, they will have friendlier terms. Okay, so this is a private citizen going to foreign soil, obviously in order to evade U.S. intelligence uh, monitoring and establishing a back channel with a sworn enemy of the United States who was actively disrupting our efforts in the military in the Middle East. So is that bad judgment? Is that a bad thing that happened? Back channels are completely normal. They happen all the time. Reagan did them. Obama did them. Mm -hmm. Everyone did. So I'm not quite sure why supposedly having at least a, the president's now elected, setting up a, uh, a back channel with the Russians is somehow out of bounds. That the now elected Trump administration didn't trust John Brennan, that somehow these straight arrow guys in our intelligence services were going to now work to actively undermine. Are they now seeing them as some sort of dissident that we're going to undermine? Know, well, that has never happened in the history of the United States. One of the States. most interesting pieces of news that actually came out this week was the FISA court revelation that they said that the Obama administration had been actively engaged in abusing Fourth Amendment protections by unmasking people's identities on a routine basis, which mm -hmm. they did not acknowledge to the court in which they said brought up major, major concerns. So maybe you wouldn't trust that team, in who, fact. Who said that? Where does it support that FISA information? Court. Do you know how difficult order? it is to get a FISA warrant against an American, American person? Yeah, but you you're not talking about what I just mentioned. <laughs> you heard none of that in your news. But Kimberly Strassel just laid it down and meet the press, and you heard that piece of shit, Joy and race baiter, freaking Hillary Chill, Chill Reed. They don't want to hear facts. They're divorced from reality every day because they're talking about the possible Russian interference. Everybody else on the planet's talking about the actual law breaking that Obamaco did that they can't bury anymore. They came out in the press and said they were doing it. To our stats of the day before we get into, oh, Paris Climate Accord. 94,983,000 people are not in the American workforce, and I hope he does something about that. Because, folks, for the love of God and everything holy, that's horrible. Jobs are up 138, but I'll hold him just like Obama. Until we improve the workforce number, those jobs numbers mean dick. You're padding it. CNN, DNC gave a half hour to Hillary's speech, nothing for Mike Pence. That was interesting. HuffPo actually ran an article, Late Night TV might be deepening divide, where they talk about how all of a sudden everybody on Late Night is literally anti-Trump. That's their clickbait. They even had an article, how the media bullied Jimmy Fallon into hating Trump. And it goes back to how his show is starting to become more anti-Trump. He's been out this week, so I'm able to see it. But... He didn't have a choice because he rubbed his head. He got so much bullshit that he had to. But our big stat is the Paris Climate Accord. You know, if you do a Google search on how much it was going to cost America for this accord, or any facts, you couldn't find it. You had to go to page six or seven to find anything about it because all he did was load up as Trump's the devil and, as we'll see in some of our headlines, the theatrics the left went through this week. But I finally found something. The UN Environmental Program estimated that developing countries would need $300 billion per year through 2050 in order to satisfy all the terms of this agreement. That's us. See, what people don't know, no, nobody told you that, 
is that this only affected us. China, the biggest polluter in the world, they're considered not developing country, even though they're pumping out all that shit. They get to keep building and using coal plants to 2030. The average American would be spending $30,000 more over their lifetime for all the penalties that came with it. And basically this was punish America, Obama's view on the world. Everything. Iran deal, punish America. Obamacare, punish America. Climate change, punish America. I mean, we're already paying taxes out the ass on everything. We cleaned up most of the country compared to the 70s. We have so many regulations written by the Obama administration that even if and without this, it won't matter. You're still going to have to have restrictions on car mile per gallon, restrictions on coal plants. You can't undo that. So this accord, all it did was punish America and let real polluters continue to pollute. That's what this accord was. And it was going to hurt you and me. Talked about on the show. Just the fact that you couldn't have coal plants anymore was going to kill anybody without hydroelectricity. You don't have rivers like you do on the West Coast. So I was going to play Keith Oberman. Not gonna. His whole thing is now the world is going to die. As Nicole Wallace said on MSDNC, kids are going to die from asthma now because of the Paris Climate Agreement. A dog rating site who pledged hats for the Kofefe, which I'm not even talking about that big thing that didn't matter for shit, to Planned Parenthood. They said they're not going to do political anymore because they got nabbed. And then they did this. This is Zoe. She really likes the planet. We hate to see willful ignorance and denial of fairly elemental science to destroy it. That's, that's what they tweeted. So if you're expecting some obscure We Rate Dogs Twitter feed... Wait till you see HuffPo. Day of. Trump to planet. Drop dead. Showing a picture of the earth and it's radiating like the sun. Somebody tweeted, and the climate church wonders why we don't take them seriously. Today it's Trump on a podium and water rising and him dying. People were tweeting pictures to counter it with New York City underwater saying, due to the Paris Accord being pulled out of, New York's underwater due to all the snowflakes melting. <laughs> yeah, that, that actually happened. Somebody said, this is the first stage of climate grief, hysteria. So you can understand the normal people are going to come out. DeRay McKesson, Trump is determined to undo every positive thing from the first black president. Okay, so it's racism. Free Zakari. This is the day the United States resigned as the leader of the world. Right now. We're, we're no longer. The tweets are insane. We leave international deals. We negotiate. Then we work with, with the U.S. in the future on trade, war, peace, zero credibility, weak America. Beto O'Rourke. I don't know who that is. That gas bag, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, withdrawing from the Paris Agreement, would be among the first destructive decisions of the Trump presidency. Embarrassing. He's an embarrassment to our country. He's literally the only person in the world who doesn't believe in climate change. What a shock. Everything real Donald Trump does is sinister and horrible. 
Move over to George Bush Jr. We now have a new worst president ever. Time to impeach. We're being ruled by a Neanderthal and the USA just lost her place in the world as a leader in tech innovation. I'm gonna throw up. Ugh, we're so fuck, fuck, fucked. Matthew Modine. Where did it go? Sorry, I lost Matthew Modine. My page flipped. I'm so excited about this. Worst human on earth. Mark Ruffalo, who's neither a scientist nor an actor. If this is true, he'll have the death of whole nations on his hand. People will be looking to the USA for retribution for what they lose. Share. Held hostage by an insane dictator. Don Cheagle. Um, if you care about your kids, maybe reconsider your Paris Agreement decision. Barron will thank you when he sees you, whenever that is. Leonardo DiCaprio. Today, our planet suffered. He declared war on it. So, with all that, you knew the media was going to lose it. We already are getting reaction pouring in. President Obama, who, of course, presided over the negotiation of that agreement, saying that he hopes that cities and states and businesses will now step in to lead the way. And we have obtained a statement from former Vice President Al Gore, who says removing the U.S. from the Paris Agreement is a reckless and indefensible action that undermines America's standing in the world and threatens to damage humanity's ability to solve the climate crisis in time. But make no mistake, if President Trump won't lead, the American people will. And President Obama uh, put forward this alternative argument today in response to what uh, President Trump did. Let's just read here from the last paragraph of his statement. Uh, President, Former President Obama said, the nations that remain in the Paris Agreement will be the nations that reap the benefits in jobs and industries created. I believe the United States of America should be at the front of the pack. But even in the absence of American leadership, even as this administration joins a small handful of nations that reject the future, I'm confident that our state, cities, and businesses will step up and do even more to lead the way and help protect for future generations the one planet we've got. Climate scientists say the warning signs are everywhere, from Montana's shrinking glaciers to Australia's bleaching Great Barrier Reef, a trend that could worsen, experts say, now that the U.S., the second largest carbon emitter in the world, plans to pull out of the Paris Agreement. That means record heat, more drought in some places, torrential rains and floods in other places, sea level rising, drowning coastal areas. The world will be a mess. Tell me, where is the constituency in America? to put coal sludge back into rivers and lakes. But that's what he's done. He signed an executive order to do that. Where is the constituency to reduce the ability of cars to, to maintain lower automobile emissions? Why would you want to get rid of that? What Donald Trump is doing is serving the polluters and serving a narrow group of ideological interests. That's not leadership. That's abdication of responsibility. And this step does not make America first. It makes America last. Former President Obama was among the first to weigh in before President Trump was even done in the Rose Garden. The former president issuing a statement saying the nations that remain in the Paris Agreement will be the nations that reap the benefits in jobs and industries created. Adding, I believe the United States of America should be at the front of the pack. None of that's true. You pull out of an agreement now and everybody's going to die. Record floods, droughts, flooding. Jesus, Jay Christ. You know, I could take you all seriously, but here's the problem. I know there's climate change. Like I said on the show, I've driven 
from Sacramento to Oregon, there's a big change. But when you call it global cooling in the 70s, global warming, you have Al Gore get on and literally tell us we're not going to have ice caps by like a couple years past and we have more ice than we've ever had. Then you change it to climate change. It's proven that scientists were cooking the books and some of the stats and you act like this because of an agreement that had no enforcement standards, didn't make the biggest polluters in the world actually do something about it, and allowed us to pay out billions of dollars and bankrupt America because it's somehow our fault China pollutes. You know, you lost me. You just lost me. It makes no sense. It makes no sense for you to act this way. The theatrics alone, all they read to me is exactly like Kathy Griffith or Griffin. You you don't like him. So if he increased EPA standards, you would still complain. You would still complain. That's just a fact. More to follow on the climate accord because it's not going to stop. Go straight into segment one. I wanted to read this. Um, it came out after Memorial Day. And it's more of a solemn piece, so there's no intro music. It was done by Fox News. Memorial Day Reflections of an Army Widow, published May 29th by Wesley Bogues. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on to them. To do the same, President Ronald Reagan. May is traditionally a month of delight and expectation. Summer is drawing near. The school year will end soon. Pools begin to open. Maybe a beach trip is planned. I look forward to all of that. But for me and my family, an underlying twinge of pain, sadness, and loss invades our hope and anticipation of an otherwise joyful month. On May 14, 2007, my world flipped upside down. My husband, Army Major Larry Bogues, was serving in his dream job deployed to Afghanistan as an operation officer in the 82nd Airborne Division. Larry was a warrior and a gentleman, and, true to his roots, he was participating in a peace meeting in Pakistan. By all accounts, the historic meeting was successful. The Afghani, Pakistani, and U.S. leadership had reached an agreement. The leaders from all three sides shook hands, exchanged coins, and posed for a picture. A short while later, a uniformed Pakistani frontier guardsman who had the mission to provide security for our troops, instead raised his rifle, took aim, and opened fire. Larry stood between the shooter and his men, on his feet. He protected his men and took the brunt of the assault. Our tiny daughters, Ryan, Ann, and Ellie, and I were in our home at North Car- North Fort Bragg, North Carolina, when the notification team came to deliver the heartbreaking news. The sound of the doorbell startled me. I remember walking to the door on the beautiful May afternoon, exci- expecting to see a little one, or our front porch wanting to play with my girls. When I looked through the peephole, I saw something entirely different. Through the tiny glass tunnel, I saw a man dressed in army greens. As I pushed away the door, blood rushed to my face, and a cold chill raced up my spine. When you've been in and around the army for as long as we have, you know what it means when a man dressed in an army green suit with a chest full of ribbons comes to your house during the time of war. Since that day, my daughters and I have quite a journey of heartache and pain, but have had joyful moments too. We work very hard to strike a balance. We lean on our faith. We follow Larry's example. 
We miss him every single day. We feel his void in everything we do, even 10 years later. We have chosen to drive on in a manner that we hope has honored him. If we didn't do that, if we had quit, if we had given up our on life or felt sorry for ourselves even for a minute, Larry Baguess would come down here and say, I didn't give my life so you could stop living yours. He would tell us to drive on. Live your life. The best way to honor me is to get back out there and continue to live. I know he would say that to me, and I would say the exact same thing to him. So we drive on. We live our lives and we live in a way that we hope brings honor to him. So this Memorial Day, enjoy the pool, enjoy the beach trip, relish in the fact that the school year is almost over and summer is right around the corner. But please remember those intrepid Americans who for decades and decades have given the last full measure of devotion. Remember those who have given their lives to provide the blanket of freedom that allows us to live free. Never forget their sacrifice. Pray for the families left behind. And always remember that though it's absolutely, it's worth fighting for, freedom isn't free. And I thought that was pretty poignant. I could see a young Gigi Reed saying the same thing. And all this stuff happened around it. Sometimes I think as Americans, we sure lose our eyes on the prize. We don't look at the ball anymore. And we concern ourselves with the dumbest shit. That's why soldiers always had posted, we're going on patrol while America goes to the mall. I'm going to save my music break for segment three. But I want you to listen to the following soundbite. I hate to go from remembering the fallen to this subject. But I saw this this week, and it scared the shit out of me. This is Flacca. Nobody! No! What happened? Somebody's shooting at me! Who? You're okay. No. You're okay. No, cigarettes! You're okay. Cigarettes is dead. Please! Please! You are okay, man. Don't worry. No. It's all good. Someone's trying to shoot at me. Nobody's shooting. Cigarette. Look, I'm standing here. Nobody's shooting at you. Please. So good. So good. Calm down. So good. Nobody here. Yes, somebody's gonna shoot at me. Nobody's gonna shoot you. You're in the cave. Just go home. I don't know. I've got no home. What do you mean you got no home? I'm home. Well, go somewhere. It's okay.
I have got to work for 33 years. This is the death. Help me, O oh Lord. I call any prize for the sun is burning. Why would I look at the sun? Look at the earth. Crawl. Do not breathe. Face the earth. I am protected by the demons, follow me. Yeah, I need to say I've been damn drugs. <laughs> mm. Give it to me one time. Give it to me two times. Huh, I don't know if y'all can see this bitch. This bitch high as fuck on Flocker. Deerfield Beach, Florida. I always see all these videos on YouTube. Look at this bitch. Look at this bitch. That's that flocker for you. Bitch climbing in a tree. Talking to herself and shit. You okay? They used to get big. Don't get big like that anymore. You alright? Air plants. The air is toxic. I know. Shit's crazy. Listen, can you help me down? Uh, you I, I, help me down the tree. You'll just see fish for me, right? That's crazy, right? Yeah. Can you help me down? I, I wish I could. I can't hear nothing. You're sick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need help for nobody. Good old Broward County, you Deerfield Beach, Beach, Florida. That bitch about to wig the fuck out. <laughs> Damn. You want to see? Yes, sir. What do you need? I want to go see Jamaica. Jamaica. Yes. That's Jamaica. Okay. You, you fucked okay. up, bro. Okay. You I never do. I never do. What fucked you up, man? Um, I did born for myself. You uh, born for yourself? Yes. Uh, you fucked up. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right there, right there, right there. I'm sorry, sir. Please. No. Oh, sorry. You're my friend. Nice. Get up. Get up off the ground, man. Okay. You're my friend. Okay. What? 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 No one's ever. Please don't hit me, please. Please don't hit me. No, no one. No one. No one. No one. I didn't do that. No, no, no. Okay. 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 Yo, move on the man, my man, ball, and fire, you man. I'm saying, I don't do that. No, 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 right there. Yo, fucked up, man. It's like a fucking man. Give something to drink, man. Yeah. Look what I do. You can have a clothes no more, do you know? Not to be no, 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 no,
Get up and come over here. I'll start the pop quiz. Why are you telling me that? Let me say I want to write it down. Okay. Bye, Mama. Sorry. Put the clothes. Huh? Put the clothes. 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 Put the seen with people ramming their faces through cars, running into cars, rolling on the ground and looking like zombies from, you know, what is it, 28 hours later, 28 days, then 28 weeks, that's how it went, 28 days, it's alpha prilidinopentiophenone, it is a Dub, a drug substance, alpha PVP, known as FLACA, for those pharmaceutical excipients, excipients called PVP, polyvinyl pripolonide. Known as a blah, 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 is a synthetic stimulant of the cathone class developed in the 1960s and has been sold as a designer drug. Colloquially, it is sometimes called FLACA or gravel. A PVP is a chemical related to priovalerone and is a ketone analog. Folks, it makes bath salt stuff look like you just smoked some weed. People have eaten people's faces off on flaca. 
And it goes back to that one time on the show, and I hate keep saying that, but I, I, I talked about watching a drug show on over-air uh, Justice TV or some crap. It's a show out of Nashville. All that Molly and crap is like basically just you might as well go downstairs, grab a bottle of chemical and drink it. That's what you're taking. But the reaction people get off this stuff is freaking scary. I want you all to just Google or go to YouTube and put in Flaka, F-L-A-K-K-A. It will freak you the hell out. So I had to at least talk about it as brief as this is because I never heard of it. I guess as I get older, I'm not up to date with the latest crack people are taking. But that shit ain't right. To a music break, specially selected the package by a perfect circle. Because this song always makes me think about Hillary Clinton. Give it to me is some of the lyrics. So enjoy that and we'll come into the latest crazy freaking shit from Hillary Doggone Clinton.
Flyover Politics, the show for normal Americans. Fight back against so-called right to work. Right to work is wrong for workers and wrong for America. Now, having said all this, why aren't I 50 points ahead, you might ask? Well, the choice for working families has never been clearer. I need your help to get Donald Trump's record out to everybody. Nobody should be fooled. He proudly declared himself 100% right to work. He even hired a union-busting firm to break up an organizing campaign at his hotel in Las Vegas, where you are right now. And he built up his wealth by stiffing small businesses and contractors. That goes against everything we stand for as a country. My dad is a small business. I'm just businessman. I'm just happy he never did. So Hillary came out this week and did a speech at Recode. Um, I think it's Karen Swisher was one of the people that interviewed her. And in the process, I think she finally outweighed her um, or outwore her excuses. And people to blame. Because some of this stuff actually drew the ire of CNN. Which had an article against this bullshit at the top of their website. But Fox and Friends, who I do, I cannot stand Fox and Friends. I don't watch Fox that much. I used to watch Tucker. Now I'm not watching anything because I'm just burned out on politics um, on the TV. But they put a tweet out. And it's just simply titled, Clinton's Election Loss Blame Game. The FBI, James Comey, the Russians, Vladimir Putin, anti-American forces, low information voters, everyone who assumed she'd win, bad polling numbers, Obama for winning two terms, people wanting change, misogynists, suburban women, the New York Times, television executives, cable news, Netflix. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a second. Democrat not making the right documentaries, Facebook, Twitter, WikiLeaks, fake news, content farms in Macedonia, the Republican Party, and the Democratic Party. And of course, by the end of it, people are like, what the fuck over? This all can't be true. What about you? And I'm going to play these sound bites. I want you to hear how bitter she is. And remember, this was like an hour and 30 minutes, so I've, I've edited down to just stuff I wanted to cover. Here is email again. And for me, I surmised it with, it's like the first time she ever talked about her emails. I did nothing wrong. The overriding issue that uh, affected the election that I had any control over, because I had no control over the Russians, um, too bad about that, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, I hope, um, was the way that uh, the use of uh, my email account was uh, turned into, you know, the biggest scandal since Lord knows when. And, you know, I'm just, in the book, I'm just using every uh, everything that anybody else said about it besides me to basically said this was the biggest nothing burger ever. It was a mistake. I've said it was a mistake. And obviously, if I got turned the clock back, I wouldn't have done it in the first place. But the way that it was used 
uh, was very damaging. So if you went all the way back, uh, doing something that others had done before mm-hmm. was no longer acceptable in the new environment in which we found ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there was no law against it. There was no rule, nothing of that sort. So I didn't break any rule. Nobody said, don't do this. And I was very responsible and not at all careless. And the investigation that they conducted ended in July. It was over. And I have my, uh, I have my, uh, complaints about, uh, former director Comey, but it was done. And then it was reignited and it became the major reason toward the end, uh, based on the best analysis that I can find, uh, that I lost ground and ended up losing. So obviously, turn the clock back. But what was done, and I think it was interesting, I know you had Dean Bacay here from the New York Times uh, yesterday, and they covered it like it was Pearl Harbor. And then in their endorsement of me, they said, this email thing, it's like a help desk issue. So it was always a hard issue to put to bed, but we put it to bed in July and then it rose up again. That is the same Jimmy Jubich bullshit, bullcrap, fucking non-responsible answer she gave the first time. The second one was, oh my God, the Goldman Sachs. She never spoke about Goldman Sachs. Well, she does now. And guess what it is? She's a Navy SEAL just like Obama. She took him down. She took down Bin Laden. Why did you do those? I don't, I don't. Why do you have Goldman Sachs here? Because <laughs> they pay us. They, they paid me. Yeah, no, but there's a... <laughs> you know, no. look, again, I, 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 I have... Let's no, get serious. But, but, they, I know they paid you, but yes. and they paid you a lot. Yes, But yes. you didn't... You're yes. not somebody who needed that money for the next week's shopping, and you might have... You knew you might okay. have run, so why do it? Well, I gave speeches to many, many groups. I spoke to camp counselors. I spoke to health care executives, I spoke to, you know, just a a wide range of groups, right? And not just in the United States, but uh, particularly in Canada and a few other places. And I was a senator from New York. I knew these people, and I knew what they did for the economy, and I knew what they did to the economy. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, speaking to them, raising questions, which I did in 2008 and 2009, you know, people have no reason to know this, but in the 2008 campaign before the Iowa caucus, I actually ran an ad about the looming mortgage crisis. So I have to say, well, I never, it, I never thought that anybody would throw out my entire career of standing up and speaking out and voting against and voting in favor of what I thought are good policies uh, because I made a couple of speeches. And So when you're the Secretary of State, people want to hear what you talk about. The most common thing that I talked about in all those speeches was the hunt for bin Laden. You know, that was, you know, one of the central missions that I felt on from the time the towers fell on 9-11 as a senator from New York. And to be part of that, to be one of the very few people advising the president on that, you know, that was a fascinating issue. And I thought I could tell that to a lot of different people. And... You know, men got paid for the speeches they made. I got paid for the speeches I made. That shit right there cracks me the fuck up. You know, it's the first thing she said right there. The first thing. Well, they make money. Why shouldn't we? Well, if Jimmy jumps off a bridge, are you going to jump? 
But she knows that plays well with progressives. They still think there's the right-wing conspiracy. There's this big conspiracy to hold down. Even though the whole media is fucking liberal, everything's liberal on our planet, the right-wing conspiracy must be beaten. And oh, by the way, what about the right-wing conspiracy? Oh, yeah, she talked about that too. Look, I take responsibility for every decision I made, but that's not why I lost. So I think it's important that we learn the real lessons from this last campaign. Because the forces that we are up against are not just interested in influencing our elections and our politics. They're going after our economy, and they're going after our unity as a nation. So, yes, back in uh, 98, look, I've, I have been watching this and been, you know, obviously the target for a number of years. Uh, and what is hard for people to really except, although now after the election there's greater understanding, is that there are forces in our country, put the Russians to one side, who have been fighting rearguard actions for as long as I've been alive because my life coincided with the civil rights movement, with the women's rights movement, with anti-war protesting, with the impeachment or not, you know, the driving out of office because he was about to be impeached, uh, president. Let's be specific. Uh, yeah, let's be very specific, as if people didn't understand what I was saying. Um, and let's talk about, you know, uh, Watergate and all the stuff that we lived through. And we were on a real roll as a country despite assassinations, despite setbacks, you know, opening the doors of opportunity, expanding rights to people who never had them in any country um, was frankly thrilling. And I believed then, and I believe now, <clears throat> that we're never done with this work. And so part of the challenge is to maintain the energy and the focus to keep going forward. But you got to recognize the other side is never never tired either. They're always looking to push back. And what we saw was uh, in this election particularly, and I appreciate what Walt said, the first time that you had the tech revolution really weaponized politically, before it was a way to reach voters, you know, collect fundraising, do things that would help the candidate who was behind the messaging. That changed this time, and it changed for a number of reasons we should talk about. You had Citizens United come to its full fruition. So unaccountable money flowing in against me, against uh, other Democrats, in a way that we hadn't seen, and then attached to this weaponized information war. You had effective suppression of votes. I mean, those of us who can remember... Uh, the Voting Rights Act, the expansion of the franchise, and then I was in the Senate when we voted 98 to nothing under a Republican president, George W. Bush, to extend the Voting Rights Act. And the Supreme Court said, oh, we don't need it anymore, throws it out, and Republican governors and legislatures began doing everything they could to suppress the vote. So that was before we get to the Russians or Cambridge Analytica or anything of the outside. And there were lots of factors at work. And, yeah, it was aimed at me, um, but it's a much deeper, more persistent effort to try to literally turn the clock back on so much of what we have achieved as a country. 
So then we progressed into weaponizing social media. I want to just really bring you up to date for you progressives out there that might listen to the show or somebody who hates Trump or whatever. Alphabet Incorporated worked on her site. We have broken down so many times. I just talked about it in the intro of this freaking show, how Google is all sorts of freaking crooked as shit. And I'll even cover in news and social media nuggets how they're getting sued because they're so crooked. So to say they're weaponizing social media and they're all lying, but we're selling the truth. Remember, boys and girls, the circus showed everybody in a room and there were hundreds of room like that, they said, all on social media pushing her her talking points and attacking those who were trying to take her down and pushing sites to remove stuff. We, we covered it during the election. So to say the right was weaponizing social media, get the fuck out of here. In uh, Silicon Valley as well. And... What we thought we were doing, here's the arena we were playing in, was going to like Obama 3.0, you know, better targeting, better messaging, and the ability to both uh, turn out our voters as we identified them uh, and to communicate more broadly with voters. Here's what the other side was doing, and they were in a different arena. Through content farms, through an enormous investment in uh, falsehoods, mm-hmm. fake news, call it what you will. How about lies? Lies are really, that's a good word too. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the other side was using content that was just flat out false mm-hmm. and delivering it in a very personalized way. You know, both sort of above the radar screen and below. Um, and I, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not a, a text expert by any stretch of the imagination. Um, that really influenced the information that people were relying on. And there have been some studies done since the election that if you look, let's pick Facebook, if you look at Facebook, uh, the vast majority of the news, news items posted were fake. They were connected to, as we now know, the 1,000 Russian agents who were involved in delivering those messages. They were connected to the bots uh, that are just out of control. We see now this new information about Trump's Twitter account being populated by millions of, uh, of bots. And it was, it was such a new experience. I, I understand why people on their Facebook pages would think, Oh, Hillary Clinton did that. I did not know that. Well, that's going to affect my opinion about her. And we were, we did not engage in false content. We may, we may have tried to put every piece of information in the best possible light and explanations, but we weren't in, uh, the same category as the other side. Good Lord, that is, you, you talk about Seth Rich is a fucking conspiracy theory. Did you hear her? So then she trolls on in, and you might have heard this because it was all over the place, but here is her talk about blaming the DNC and how all their data was corrupt and they were bankrupt. I inherit nothing from the Democratic Party. What do you mean nothing? I mean it was bankrupt. It was on the verge of insolvency. Its data was 
mediocre to poor, non-existent, wrong. I had to inject money into it. This is the DNC. The, the DNC to keep it going. Okay. Donald Trump, who did nothing about really setting up any kind of data operation, inherits an RNC data foundation that after the Republicans lost in 2012, and they thought they had a very good operation with the setup that Romney did, the called Orca. They thought that was really state-of-the-art. They lose. So they raised, best estimates are close to $100 million. They brought in their main vendors. They basically said, we will never be behind the Democrats again. And they invested between 2012 and 2016 this $100 million to build this data foundation. They beta tested it. Uh, they ran it, somebody was able to determine about 227,000 surveys to double check, triple check, quadruple check the information. So Trump becomes the nominee and he is basically handed this tried and true effective foundation. <laughs> Remember, boys and girls, remember, the media has told you that they were out fundraising the hell out of him, out organizing the hell out of him. Obama 2.0 meant that nobody ever could ever beat a Democrat ever, ever again. It's never happening. Their data's too good. Their ground, their ground game is second to none, and they have so much money, there's no fucking way a sorry-ass GOP candidate can ever beat them. And she says that. As many people have said on the left, her own staffers, you just didn't use it right. So of course, since this is Recode, a huge liberal thing, and if I played the intro alone, they joke about her um, freaking being a drunk and saying she can have a drink and it was just basically Madam Secretary bullshit. It goes to Russia. Now this is 11 minutes. It's a little long. By the time we're done with it, she will directly state that Donald J. Trump was directing the Russian bots where to go, what to put out, and where to hack. Yes. Donald Trump, all by himself, was controlling the country of Russia. And I say unto you, if her thesis is right, why wouldn't we want him to be president? Because he just controlled Russia. She never did. Read the declassified uh, report by the intelligence community that came out in early January. This is 17 agencies. 17 agencies. All in agreement, which I know from my experience as a senator and secretary of state is, is hard to get. They concluded with high confidence that the Russians ran an extensive information war campaign against my campaign to influence voters in the election. They did it through paid advertising, we think. They did it through... Uh, false news sites. They did it through these thousand agents. They did it through machine learning, which, you know, kept spewing out this stuff over and over again. The algorithms that they developed now. So that was the conclusion. And I think it's fair to ask, how did that actually influence the campaign? And how did they know what messages to deliver? Who told them? 
Who told them? Yeah. Who were they coordinating with or colluding with? Because the Russians historically, in the last couple of decades, and then increasingly, you know, are launching cyber attacks. And they are stealing vast amounts of information. And a lot of the information they've stolen, they've used for internal purposes, to affect markets, to affect um, the intelligence services, et cetera. So this was different because they went public and they were conveying this uh, weaponized information and the content of it. And they were running, you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. And, I, you know, I've seen them now and you, you sit there and it looks like a, you know, sort of low level CNN operation. And or a got, fake newspaper, or like a fake the Denver news, Guardian. Like a fake newspaper. And so... The Russians, in my opinion, and based on the intel and counterintel people I've talked to, could not have known how best to weaponize that information unless they had been guided. And here's a here's guided by Americans, guided by Americans, and guided by people who had, you know, polling and data so information. Now let me just finish because this is the second and third step. So we know that they they did that. We understand it. Um, best example. So within one hour, one hour of the Access Hollywood tapes being leaked, within one hour, the Russians, let's say WikiLeaks, same thing, dumped <laughs> the John Podesta emails. Now, if you've ever read the John Podesta emails, they are anodyne to boredom. But they... Yeah, we had him here once. Yeah, but they were... <laughs> They were, yeah, and I, you know, forgive him for Wake what he up. said about you, yeah. Um, so they were run-of-the-mill emails, especially run-of-the-mill for a campaign. Should we do this? What should she say? I don't, you know, the stuff that is so common, basic. Within one hour, they dumped them, and then they began to weaponize them. And they began to have some of their allies within the uh, Internet world like Infowars, take out pieces and begin to say the most outrageous, outlandish, absurd lies you can imagine. And so they had to be ready for that, and they had to have a plan for that, and they had to be given the go-ahead, okay, this could be the end of the Trump campaign, dump it now, and then let's do everything we can to weaponize it. And we know it hurt us because, as I explain in my book, you know, the uh, the Comey letter, which was, now we know, partly based on a false memo from the Russians. Right. It was a classic piece of Russian disinformation, compromat, they call it. So, for whatever reason, and I speculate, but I, I can't look inside the guy's mind, you know, he dumps that on me on October 28th, and I immediately start falling. But what was really interesting, since the mainstream media covered that, as I say, like Pearl Harbor, front pages everywhere, huge type, et cetera, and all of the Trump people go around screaming, lock her up, lock her up, and, and all of that. At the same time, the biggest Google searches were not for Comey, because that information was just lying out there. It was for WikiLeaks. And so voters who are being targeted with all of this false information are genuinely trying to make up their minds. What does it mean? And we know that the Google searches for this stuff 
were particularly high in places in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. So, two couple questions yeah. after this. That was fascinating, actually. I was like riveted to that. Um, Who was directing them from your perspective? And do you blame, and I'm going to just use Facebook because that's where a lot of this was done, um, especially around the fake news, which was either the Pope was voting for Trump or there was one particular one I got in an argument with Facebook people about you being a lizard um, that was going around. Um, and they kept arguing about the gray area and this and that, and I remember being in a call saying, she's not a lizard. <laughs> Thank so- you, Kara. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> now... It's actually a, a kind thing from Kara. Yeah, it is. I, I'm very touched. But but do you blame? And I'm I have that on a I'll be honest. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't know if you're a lizard or not. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is, I, I'm guessing you're not a lizard. But do you, who do you think directed it? And do you blame Facebook for doing do you, or, or any of these platforms for doing nothing? Or should what should they have done? Well, let, let, let me sep- let me separate out the questions okay. first. Um, we're, we're getting more information about all of the contacts between Trump campaign officials and Trump associates with Russians before, during, and after the election. Um, so I hope that we'll get enough information to be able to answer that question. Um, but you're I, leaning Trump. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm leaning Trump. I think I think it's pretty hard not to. I think that that the the marriage of the domestic fake news operations, uh, the domestic RNC Republican allied data, you know, combined with the uh, the very uh, effective uh, capabilities that the Russians brought, you know, basically. The group running this was the GRU, which is the military intelligence uh, arm of the Russian military, and they have a very sophisticated cyber operation in bed with WikiLeaks, in bed with Guccifer, in bed with DC Leaks. And, you know, DC Leaks and Guccifer, which were dropping a lot of this stuff on me, they haven't, they haven't done anything since early January. So, I mean, their, their job was done. They got their job done. So we're going to, I hope, be able to connect up a lot of the dots. And it's really important because, you know, when Comey did testify before being fired um, this last couple of weeks, he was asked, are the Russians still involved? And he goes, yes, they are. Look, why wouldn't they be? It worked for them. And it is important that Americans and particularly people in tech and business understand, you know, Putin wants to bring us down, and he is an old KGB agent. I had, obviously, run-ins with him because that, in large measure, prompted his animus toward me and his desire to help uh, Trump. Um, But it is deeper than that. It's way beyond me. So with respect to the platforms, you know, I I am, uh, again, uh, not exactly sure what conclusions we should draw. But here's what I believe. I believe that what was happening to me was unprecedented, and we were scrambling. We went and told everybody we could find in the middle of the summer the Russians were messing with the election, and we were basically shooed away. Like, oh, you know, there she goes, vast right-wing conspiracy. Now it's a vast Russian conspiracy. Well, it turned out we were right, and we saw evidence of it. We, we could track it, and we couldn't get – we could not get – the press to follow it, and we never got confirmation. Remember, you know, Comey was more than happy to talk about my emails, but he wouldn't talk about investigation of the Russians. So people went to vote on November 8th, having no idea that there was an active counterintelligence investigation going on of the Trump 
campaign. So if I put myself in the position of running a platform like Facebook, first of all, they've got to get back to trying to curate it more effectively, put me out of the equation. They've got to help prevent fake news from creating a new reality that does influence how people you know, think of themselves, see the world, the decisions that they make. I, I don't know enough about what they could have done in real time. It wasn't like we were not having conversations with them because a lot of the people on my team were. I also think I was the victim of a very broad assumption I was going to win. It doesn't matter what you do to victim her. Victim that you were going to win. Yeah, just, you know, everybody. You're talking about Nate Silver and yeah, the and, well, oh, She has an 88%. Yeah. No, she has an 89 Yeah, and, and, you know, I never believed that. I always thought it was going to be a, a close election because our elections are always close. And, you know, if you have an R next to your name or a D next to your name, you end up often falling in line to vote for your candidate. So I think a lot of people, we'll get to that after the election. You know, we're not going to worry about it right now. And that turned out to be a terrible mistake. Mm-hmm. So a victim of that they thought you were going to win. So what's the difference? Well, I think that was part what of it. about a financial element, that they made money from this? Oh, I think, well, look, that you know, the, the networks made more money than they've made in years. And we've got lots of network executives saying things like, you know, he may not be good for the country, but he's good for business. Right. Um, and there was that. And putting him on all the time, calling in, you know, wherever he was from. And, and here's a really telling statistic that has been uh, validated. So I had this old-fashioned idea that it really mattered uh, what I would do as president. And so I laid out very specific plans, and I, I costed them out because I also think it's important to be fiscally responsible. A number of people in this audience uh, were helpful uh, to me, and I thank you. And we had really good, we had a great tech program. We had a really good set of uh, policies. That shit right there is some tinfoil hat wearing, she will go to her grave, bitter shit, and none of it's grounded on fact. We're one year later. Nobody's proven anything of her and freaking Robbie Mook's little theory. By the end of this, which I'm not playing at all, she blamed Netflix because the 8 out of 10 documentaries are anti-Obama, so they should have been doing more. And I want you to go back to those who have been with the show forever. Do you remember all the anti-Bush ones? That had nothing to do with Obama winning. Obama won because he was a black candidate. He was a messiah to the left in the media. And, of course, he went right to the White House. We could have ran Jesus Christ against him. He would have won. So to say that that had anything to do with anything, I I don't know where they're getting that shit. But, yeah, so she blamed Netflix. She blamed, of course, her, her huge one. Huge one. Misogyny. I was neck and neck with Obama, but still I lost. It's a mystery why I lost to Obama. Regular stalwarts like Peggy Noonan. Hillary lacks remorse of conscience. Oddly, she seems completely sincere as if she believes the alternative facts she's peddling. Remember, Peggy Noonan hates Trump. New York Post, Hillary excuse tour hits new low. All over the internet. WAPO, New York Times, CNN, MSDNC. They even said she's full of shit. Because remember, she had Google. Right now, and I moved it forward because I was going to do it in new social media nuggets, but Google could face a $9 billion EU fine for rigging search terms in their favor. They rigged it for sales. But they did it for Hillary. 
Alphabet employees were on her fucking campaign. She weaponized it. And even if her theory is true, boys and girls, and I'm sick and tired of talking about 2016 election, but our media hasn't left it. That's all we talk about. If Russia had bots and they were putting out fake shit in Macedonia, as she claims, well, we had trolls on Google, Apple, Microsoft, NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, MSDNC, New York Times, WAPO, LA Times, PBS. I mean, every poll was her. She's winning. There's no way anybody else can ever win. And that started in 20-fucking-13, boys and girls. Talk about bias. Face it. She's a shitty candidate. She would have been a shittier president. Because she is showing why America voted against her. Electorally for you popular vote people. She's a Clinton. Everybody's out to get me. I'm always the always the victim. Hillary Clinton, you said deplorable. You called half the country deplorable. What do you expect? Low information voters. Everybody who voted for Obama was a low information voter in 2012, folks. They didn't research Benghazi. They didn't research the fact that Barack Hussein Obama had just ass-raped them with a freaking Affordable Care Act that was going to punish them after he got out of office. Isn't that a dink? Fast and Furious. GSA. The fucking IRS. He used the IRS like Nixon. But enough said. Had to play it. Could not play it. You want to hear the whole thing? It's online. Recode. 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 Yeah. We're recoding history now. Because we just let Hillary Clinton get up there and literally say that the whole freaking thing was Donald Trump. Donald Trump just directed Russia. And I once again say, well, okay, well then maybe he should be president. If he can get a whole country to do what the fuck he wants. To segment four, and then we'll go to music break, music break and news and social media nuggets and wrap this bad boy up. Dolt's Guide to Snapchat. I don't get Snapchat. I got a bunch of people trying to get me on Snapchat. Some about taking pictures with deer ears on and little twinkles on my face. Just totally took away all masculinity I have. But I figured I'd cover Welcome to Snapchat. You may not like it, but at least now you'll understand it by Alex Kantrowitz. Today is the last day you won't understand Snapchat. Snapchat uses used to confuse the crap out of me, though when I installed the app on my phone, I had no idea how to use it and little interest in doing so. I found Snapchat's layout confounding. It didn't seem useful at all. My main gripe with Snapchat, I had few friends on the platform and didn't want to send disappearing selfies to any of them. Actually, I didn't like sending selfies at all. And when I did want to send images to a friend, I used SMS or WhatsApp. So I saw no point in using Snapchat. But I was missing it. After a bunch of experimentation, I finally figured Snapchat out. And I can tell you there's a lot more to it than disappearing selfies. Lesson one, Snapchat is not about chat. Pick up the pieces of your mind from the floor and listen up. If you're an adult and don't understand Snapchat yet, you need to stop thinking about it as an app you use to chat, message, text, or send nudes. 
For you, Snapchat is almost guaranteed to be an app you'll use to watch video and perhaps even publish some of your own. And he shows the tab. Stories. Stories is Snapchat killer tab. It's filled with tons of media, mostly video, broken out in three categories. Discover from media companies. Live, curated by Snapchat. And three recent updates, mostly from your friends. You'll find stories by swiping left on the Snapchat camera screen, the first screen to appear when you open the app. Stories are often important to understand, so let's spend some time dissecting each category. Hang on to your hat. There's a lot here. Category, recent updates. First, the basics. Snapchat stories are collections of photos and short videos that your friends and any brands you might connect with publish to the app. They appear under the recent app. Anything published to stories is given a lifespan of 24 hours, and Snapchat is capable of stitching multiple pieces of content together in a single story. To view a story, you simply tap on the circle next to your friend's name or their name itself. The circle slowly disappears as the 24-hour time frame elapses, letting you know how much time you have left to view it. You'll only see content from people you're connected to. And remember, this has nothing to do with chat. This is a publishing platform just like Facebook, except there are no likes or shares and your stuff disappears. Here's a story from a friend, Maria. We won't go into it. Yada, yada with yada. Live. Live stories will probably be your favorite part of Snapchat. With the permissions of its users, Snapchat creates stories into larger theme live stories, typically focused on an event or location. The finished product can open windows in different cultures or, sh- or show you high-quality on-the-ground video news event you simply can't find anywhere else. Like stories, live stories also have a lifespan of 24 hours. He shows something, a video um, from Kuwait. Category three is Discover, and it shows all your apps like Cosmo or your or your connections, Daily Mail, iHeart, Comedy Central, BuzzFeed, all liberal. Snapchat is working with a handful of media companies on relatively new programs called Discover. Disclosure, BuzzFeed is a partner. On Discover, these media companies create content to live, to live, excuse me, specifically within Snapchat. You can tap each media company circle logo to visit the discovered content. The companies refresh their contents every day. To do, view the next snippet of a story, photo, or video, you simply swipe left. Some of these story units also let you swipe up to bring a longer video, and he shows you how to do all that crazy shit. He then, uh, so now you know how to view content Snapchat, let's move on how to post it. This is Snapchat camera screen. It's pretty self-explanatory, with one exception, taking video. You shoot up to 10 seconds of videos. And they show you a camera button, stories, notification, chat notification. After shooting a photo, you'll see this screen. And it shows you timer, download, add stories, send a chat. A timer, choose how long you want your photo to last. A download button, download the photo or video you've taken. A send button to send to your people. Mocking up your photos and video. Snapchat allows you to put stupid deer ears or bunny rabbit ears or something gay in a happy way, not homosexual. You can swipe the screen once you've captured it and then filter it with stupid crap and send it around. Using Snapchat for chat offers an interesting twist or texting messages. Sending a picture of your house, for instance, can indicate that you're home. Photo of the gym, convey you're working out. Be careful, snaps are easily captured via scrammed screenshot. It's that pretty much it. And that's pretty much it. Being an adult can be tough, but now that you've read this post, the young ones won't be able to mock you for being unable to grasp Basic technology. I say unto you, I don't get it. 
all these apps I don't get. I don't understand why I need that when I already have photo doctoring built into my Google phone. I have messaging from Facebook. I have friggin' Twitter. This just seems like another one for people to do and think they're cool and send out more nude selfies. But there's a quick tutorial. If you already have it and you think I'm a jackass, send me an email at foppodcast at gmail.com and tell me why I'm so wrong about not wanting to send pictures with bunny ears on it and twinkly little eyes. To a music break and news, social media nuggets.
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Oh, I love that song by, that is uh, Soundgarden off their King Animal al- album. And I heard it the other day and I forgot all about it. It's one of my favorite. Live in concert was fantastic. Didn't play the cool lead in with the blowing up stuff because we're a little long today. But I had to play that Hillary Clinton stuff. So took us over the borderline of normal podcast. This was a sad story in our military corner. A Navy, Navy SEAL has died after his parachute malfunctioned during a Fleet Week event in Liberty State. That is super sad. Um, his name was, uh, 27-year-old Remington J. Peters of Colorado. It didn't say what his rank was, but that's, that's really sad. That's, that's a crap way to go. Guy's a warrior and a shoot didn't open. Um, so God be with him, his family, and all those that served with him. The Pentagon this week successfully tested a U.S. long-range intercept missile of the Pacific. This has been done numerous times. And it was kind of important considering the uh, buildup of North Korea. But understand, that's basically standing a mile apart and shooting a bullet at a bullet and hitting it. It's freaking insane. That's missile defense. Reagan talked about it when I joined the military in 1985. Democrats have fought it forever. Now, what the hell, 32 years later, we've finally well, yeah 32 years finally made it that's awesome that's quite an accomplishment the media ignored it the military is building a case to block transgender applicants at least for now with the obama administration craziness that we all need to be transgender or gay to join the military they're kind of holding off on it for a while especially for officer corps and i think that's really important i'm sorry that's a bridge too far that's a bridge too far. You're going to have people just join the fuck up so they can get their free operation. All right? That, that's just, that's going to happen, folks. And when you really break it down, they're supposed to be preparing for war, not questioning their sex. If you're questioning your sex, you're mentally unable to handle the rigors and terror of war. I'm here to tell you, if you can't figure out who the fuck you are, you damn sure can't be a soldier. You just can't. That's just a bridge too far. Call me a transphobe. I don't give a fuck. Civilian life, 
Question everything. Make yourself a fucking elf. When you're in the military, it's the green weenie. Everybody's the same. Columbia University illegals demand the following. We're now having illegal immigrants demanding shit. They'll get it too. We refuse to amend or change any of these demands. The group Undo CU began their 13-point list. We expect the university to act, they said, lamenting Columbia's lack of intrinsic interest in its illegal students. How the fuck is a kid getting in there if they're illegal? One of the more audacious demands calls for full reimbursement of the health insurance fees. Complaining that the university's international students and school off scholar office only refunds portions. Undo CU also demands specialized fundraising for undocumented students in order to create an undocumented student-specific scholarship and grants for illegal immigrant students at both the graduate and undergraduate levels. At that point, I fucking stopped reading it. I understand the crazy shit and... Tom in Tucson remembers the day when I did the podcast about U of A. Sweet Lord Jesus. That shit was crazy. This makes that look pale in comparison. You're a legal immigrant. How the fuck are you going to a school that costs about 30000 a year to go to? Oh, I know. We're paying for it. Got it. Okay. This I put in news social media nuggets because it's just crazy. Chelsea Clinton, hope on hashtag World Menstrual Hygiene Day. You'll read my friend Marnie's piece on ensuring women and girls safety and dignity. We're back into that World Menstrual Hygiene Day. So when you go into the article, which is why I put it here, why a monthly period is especially hard for millions of women and girls around the world. Millions of girls and women are displaced and on the move right now globally. And the Trump administration proposed drastic cut to humanitarian aid. will have a major impact on these girls and women's health. Free tampons for all! Somebody just chanted out there in the crowd. An especially important but often overlooked issue is one of the most basic parts of life for a woman, menstruation. This routine part of female life is pronounced a pronounced burden for women in low-income countries and those who are displaced. It disrupts many girls' ability to participate in activities in school, potentially consigning them to second-class status for the rest of their lives because they have a period. A lack of easy access to adequate toilets in schools or elsewhere can also place them at a higher risk for sexual violence as they seek out safe places to manage their menstruation. As someone who studied ways to help girls women manage their periods with dignity, I see Menstrual Hygiene Day on May 28th as a critical opportunity to talk about the, and bring attention to this too often taboo topic. Lack of privacy and access to facilities. For the past years, the International Rescue Committee has partnered with Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health with support for research for health and humanitarian crisis to improve standards in menstrual hygiene management programming and emergencies across the world. Its aim is to raise the bar and provide guidelines for comprehensive response. To do so, the project needs to ask adolescent girls and women what they actually need and want and effectively integrate a variety of perspectives and experiences. What we found was that main difficulty women and girls faced when beyond a need for material and included a lack of privacy and facilities to manage their menstruation. Living in tents, without doors, with only curtains, they had no choice but to use shared toilets or cramped, unclean, poorly lit, and no running water. 
This ranged from girls and women living in informal settlements and urban settings in the Middle East and Europe to those in camps, refugees, and internationally displaced population. Secrecy and taboo also complicate information lacking and sometimes badly sourced working for solutions, making sure women and girls have access to suitable materials and underwear and know how to use them is important. But there's more to solving this problem. Toilets and washrooms need to be private, safe, and clean. Waste disposal systems need to address all waste flows generated in camps effectively and discreetly. Schools need to be able to cater to girls when they have their period. Better information is necessary to break societal taboos around menstruation. We've heard all of this from women and girls themselves. Ultimately, a humanitarian response that allows women and girls to manage their menstruation in dignity is a better humanitarian response. Period. Do you catch what she said? Period. So, in the liberal mind, food and shelter be damned. Tampons. I, I, I don't know how women are held back at a period. How? What? What? what I, I just think you're out of things to complain about. The feminist movement has lost anything new to talk about. So now we're going to menstruational menstruation equality. Okay. 13-year-old girl named most likely to become a terrorist by her teacher. This is freaking horrible. Teacher gave Lizeth Villanueva, a 7th grader at Anthony Aguirre Junior High in Channel View, Texas, a most likely to become a terrorist certificate the day after Monday's terrorist attack in Manchester. Villanueva, an academic honor student who had never been disciplined by school, was given a certificate in a mock ceremony, which says the teacher is considered to be a joke. Of course, the parents and me, I don't think that's funny. I don't. But I also don't think this is funny. And the left, Daily Beast, HuffPo, CNN, all jerked off. This was progressive resistance jerk porn for the week. Half of the 8th grade class refused to take a photo with Paul Ryan. 100 kids down in uh, South Orange Middle School visited the Capitol last week and they had a photo op. Paul Ryan didn't even know about it. He just put a picture up of them with the kids. It was a big deal. He's the speaker of the freaking house. And the left thought this was awesome. Most of the parents who didn't have shithead kids who refused to take a picture with the speaker of the house. So they thought it was pretty fucking disrespectful. And I say once again unto you resistance members. If you're putting that hate in your kid. That's un-American. Both my kids are flying fucking freak-ass liberals. I love them, and I don't give a fuck. It's their choice. You're no different than a KKK member. You're teaching hate in the house. At Brown University, Robert De Niro said something because his career's not too good lately. This is what he said. The country's gone crazy. In movie terms, when you started school, the country was an inspiring, uplifting drama. You're graduating into a tragic, dumbass comedy. Fuck you, De Niro. It's so bad my wife won't even watch. We don't even watch Goodfellas anymore because of him. What a jackass. You want to meet some other jackasses? You know, I need to get some background music for this. Like, some of this shit is just crazy. Since election, yoga rises off the mat. To take on Donald Trump. This is an actual article from the USA Today. 
President Trump's election and the political cacophony that followed are driving waves of people to yoga and meditation, seeking a respite from the roller coaster ride, but also trying to recharge and build energy for a political pushback. Yoga and meditation coaches say they're seeing increased enrollment and fewer dropouts from the annual New Year's resolution wave of signups. Part of this stress relief, the American Psychological Association reports that stress nationwide is on a rise for the first time in 10 years. But part of it's also meditation is resistance. Liberals see yoga as a place to reflect and recharge batteries for a political fight outside. This last election especially felt so tumultuous and so dividing, like there was so much angst and anger on both sides, said Kristen McGee, a celebrity yoga instructor and author of the beginner's guide called Chair Yoga. Sit on your ass and still work out. I need to do that. Anyway, the whole idea of yoga is to unite or to come together and to create a community. People are trying to find a way to come together to try to find what it is that makes them feel connected and centered. At that point, I stopped reading the fucking article. It goes on for like 10 pages about how all these people are doing it. Uh, the ending, the election has def- definitely catalyzed a shift in the practice of Carrie Kelly, founder of a group called CTZN Well that urges yoga, meditation, and other wellness practitioners to fight for policies that ensure everyone is well. People are discovering the practice not only as a way to better engage with their bodies and minds, but with each other in the world. Wow. Haircuts and yoga. You really got to get a grip. The most outrageous liberal scripted TV quotes 2017. This is from MRC. It was published May 28th. Mm. Mm-mm. Superior Donuts. Black Jesus from CBS. This one bound to happen. Not only did the writers smear Christianity, but they also lamented about Hillary Clinton and Trump's massive campaign promise to build a wall. The, the scene goes, Maya, it's amazing. What do you call it? Franco. Well, I call it a black Jesus riding a skateboard. Battle Satan on a pony. So where's Satan? Be right back. Is it weird that I'm attracted to Jesus? Is it weird that I am? All right. Whoops. Make way for Satan. Make way for the Prince of Darkness. The wall is supposed to keep the good ones like me in, not out. I should have voted for a woman. That's the article. Or the scene. Okay. Quantico, the ACLU, will save us all. This was totally predictable. Despite being one of ABC's lowest-rated show, it was somehow renewed, and Tim Allen was booted. We can see why, as one of the most blatantly left-wing scripted shows out there, painting a gay Trump supporter, Peter Thiel, as a terrorist, and painting the ACLU's heroes. I'm not going to read the scene. It's just crazy. Great news, NBC, Ivanka Trump mocked with childish joke. The title alone sounds like it's a show only the media elites would love. It usually takes a show a season or two to reveal its true colors. But on the case, Great News smites the right demo the very first episode when news anchor Chuck Pierce, John Michael Higgins, and Portia, Nicole Ritchie, were conversing about potential stories for the broadcast. The childish exchange of potty humor took place concerning Ivanka Trump. Chuck, you know who I ate? Portia, Ivanka Trump, same. You know, she farted in my face at SoulCycle. Yeah, that's that's an NBC show. That makes total sense. Scandal, Trump supporters are racist terrorists. Yeah. Law and order, Christians are homophobic rape apologists. I watched that one. My wife watched that show. It fucking kills me. That show just fucking kills me. I hate that show. 
They they pick anything they can pick up out of the news, make a script about it, and it's always bashing everybody who didn't vote for Hillary. This one is very interesting. I'm going to use this on my wife. Maybe I'll get lucky. Want more sex? Get better sleep. Want better sleep? Have more sex. If you think you're too tired for sex, you're not alone. According to a large new study, women over the age 50 who get fewer than 7 hours of sleep are less likely to report being sexually active than their peers who sleep more, a problem that increases with age. Sleep disorders can also interfere with sex. Research suggests that men with obstructive sleep apnea, a condition marked by snoring and breathing difficulties, have decreased levels of sexual activity, possibly because they produce lower amounts of testosterone. Sleep apnea can also increase risk of cardiovascular problems, which may be related to sexual dysfunction. But the reverse appears to be true, too. Another, re- re- uh, another recent study that looked at sleep and sex in college students found that for those in romantic relationship, every extra hour they slept corresponded to higher sexual desire, greater vaginal lubrication, and at 14% increase in the chance of getting frisky the next day. That's probably because a good night's sleep leaves us feeling refreshed, relaxed, energetic, all important for feeling sexy. So, if you're in your 50s, like me and the wife are, I'm now going to be using that we need to get more sleep so we can have more sex theory because scientists said it was so. <laughs> we'll see how far that gets me. Anyway, lighter fare. Haven't done one in a while. Had to do this one just because of her stupid inver, inver, uh, interview on Recode. Here is a frozen parody <laughs> with Hillary Clinton in it. It's really funny. And to summon what is best in us to elect Hillary Clinton as the next president of the United States and show the world we still believe. The feds close in on my house tonight, not an email to be seen. A kingdom of corruption, and it looks like I'm the queen. The lies keep building from this dishonesty inside Couldn't keep it in, the media is paid to lie Don't let them in, don't let them see Be the devil you always have to be Conceal and steal, don't let them know Well now they know Let it go, let it go Can't blame Russia anymore Let it go, let it go Gonna make World War IV I don't care what the facts may say Yes, I've had people killed Prison never bothered me anyway Pay-to-play donations Makes everyone my pawn Constitutional laws and control me Can't get to me at all It's time to see what I can do I'll be like Hitler and show you No right, no wrong, no rules for me I'm free, yeah Let it burn, 
Let it burn. I start the fire and then go hide. Let it burn. Let it burn. You can't imagine how much I've lied. So here I stand, and here I'll stay. Let the dawn old rage on. That shit's funny. You gotta get the video. You go to YouTube and search Clinton Frozen parody. I got it through an email, so I don't know who made it, but it's on YouTube. It is freaking hilarious. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments about the track by sending an email to FOPPODCAST at gmail.com. FOP podcast at gmail.com you can get this show on soundcloud podcast addict tune in radio google play itunes blueberry stitcher remember to check out the flyover politic webpage at f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t dot com foppodcast.com to see links to feeds for the show links to our facebook page and to email us there you also see a link for every episode on the episode release page and my blogs on the blog page as i send each week also, there's the best way to click that email link and send, send segments to the show. Ideas, comments, anything you want to do about the show. Give me some ideas. I will take your idea and do it. It's never been an idea or a suggestion or a segment or anything that anybody's ever sent me, even messaging me on Facebook that I have not incorporated in the show. Our next podcast will be the 6th year of our Lord, June 2017. Totally dorked that up, but you know where I was going with it. Tuesday night, going to do a podcast. Uh, wife's going to be out of town, so I'll have plenty of time to podcast. Remember, with all this PC political stuff, the English gnashing of teeth by the resistance, we can get a little distracted and miss the most important things standing right in front of us. That is our family and friends, the people we love. Life is pretty damn good, and it goes by way too fast. So hit pause on this crap and enjoy those special people in your life before it's too late. So until next time, my friends, have a fantastic weekend. And thanks for listening. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor.